Hey everyone, how's it going? Welcome to episode four of our DBS podcast. Uh, I'll have to deny you of John's beautiful voice for today's intro as it's a bit of a different episode. Uh, last weekend was the national championships in Australia and the team here featured pretty heavily. Uh, I wanted to open the podcast by hyping up you guys and humbly tell everyone that doesn't know much about the Aussie competitive scene that you guys are the, the real deal. So in this year's Nats, uh, Will here was able to get top eight and Benny finished in third place. Uh, first of all, huge congratulations to you guys, but also congratulations to the team as a whole. Uh, Will's top made it so each one of you has a Nationals top, which is something for us to be really proud of, I think. Um, just to recap quickly, uh, John won the 2019 Nationals and Glenn came third. And now in the post-COVID era, Benny and Will have grabbed at the reins and pulled out some big results of their own. Uh, I'm excited. You guys are excited. There's lots to talk about. So let's get started by each of you breaking down your personal experiences from the weekend. Uh, let us know what deck you played, some of your matchups, any epic moments, and just how you found the event. Um, we'll start. We'll start with Benny. Uh, congratulations again, my friend. Uh, what can you tell us about your Nats experience? Thank you, boss. Thank you. Uh, so honestly, uh, I was originally going to play Gogeta Zeno for those that don't know, and uh, legit. In the last 30 minutes, uh, I decided to change to Higher Dragon because of the inconsistency of the mules for Gogeta Zeno. But uh, I'm very grateful that I was able to take third place for this event. So yeah, super happy about that. And yeah, the event was great. I was really ran really smoothly as well. Uh, thank you to Tack and all the judges. So yeah, huge shout out to them as well. Uh, I'll quickly go over my matches for the day. So round one, I had a bye. Round 2, I versed uh, Icarus, Jason Stubbs from PX3. I was able to take that 1-0. Uh, it was a really close game, so unfortunately, it was a 1-0 game because, like, yeah, it was really, really grindy. And if you saw the Val and Trey's game for the NA stream, it barely finished their 1-1 uh, game in the uh, 60 minutes. Uh, round 3, I versed Dark Broly. Uh, won that one 2 0 against Lee Potter. Uh, that was pretty good, but slightly more in my favor. Round 4, I versus Gogeta Zeno. Uh, sorry. Round 4, I versus Gogeta Zeno. Uh, Chris Wright from PX3 as well. So yeah, I won that one 2 1. It's pretty good. Uh, round 5, I versus Soul Striker in Boca against Mark Andrews. I uh, won that one 1 0. And then round 6, I versus King Piccolo. Lost 2 0 to Tyson. And then pretty much that summed up my. Day one, I think I was fifth seed overall, and yeah, that put me into top eight, so pretty good. And then top cut was nice, day two. Nice. Yeah, top cut was day two. I versus uh, Marcin Vegeta, Peter Bokta. That was a really close game. He was the first seed, so he got to start first. Um, uh, pretty much I was on the back foot the whole time. My goal was to stabilize. Once I get to three to four energy, I should be able to outlive the rest because I have a bigger hand than him. And then top four, once again, I proceeded to lose to Tyson, uh, 02 was pretty unfortunate but he congratulations to him as well because he came second and then he versus dave in the final and dave won so congrats to the both of them they played really well on stream as well our third place playoff i actually gonna play uh a good friend uh, max kennedy i won two one so yeah pretty happy with that it was the icarus mirror match i think for those that have known me i've played yellow for a while and i think i know the mirror pretty well i would like to say anyway so yeah the one who starts first usually gets a massive advantage so yeah super happy with that <laughs> benny's not going to mention one by 5k just by the way oh yeah well i also according to max uh when i shotgun 
he didn't really reveal his whole hand, but he did tell me uh, I won by 5k, so I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, the last few moments of the, that game was pretty epic. Like, I was watching on stream and, um, you know, uh, also a quick shout out, uh, John here, you probably, if you tuned in on anything on the weekend, um, John was commentating and uh, did a great job. And uh, for sure, uh, Benny's match was really hype. Like, the... Uh, like in the third, Benny took the first game pretty easy. I was like, I was like, oh, you know, yeah, cool. Benny's gonna, you know, might gonna win this easy. Second game, you know, like uh, Max was going first, so we thought everyone thought, oh yeah, you know, like Max might steal this, but then it was Benny's game to lose in the third. And then um, it sort of just started going downhill for Benny in the third. And I'm just like, oh no, I felt so bad. But then he pulled it back, and it was it was crazy. Yeah, no, uh, really good times, good times. Uh, so Will. You came eighth. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yep. Uh, anyone who knows me knows that as soon as a viable golden freezer list appeared on the scene, that's exactly what I'll be playing, and that's what I was. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. Pre-testing wasn't going the best for me. I was pretty close to uh, just taking prizing and dropping out. But I said, ah, look, I'll play it on. I don't have anything to do until that evening. Thankfully, I did pretty well, as we saw. My first round match was unfortunately against uh, someone from Locals, a mate of mine, Peely. He was on Dark Broly. He was originally playing Hachiak, but he just didn't like the idea of playing that into such a time-constricted format like our um, webcam would be, so we went with an Old Faithful. Game 1, it was just a case of, due to the deck being a lot slower now, having to play cards using energy, I was able to just counterplay with the new uh, Goku, I was able to negate with Repost, and there were enough speed bumps there, despite him having quite a good draw. Second game, he was going first, and he just had the absolute nuts against me. You know, all his Broly pieces, his uh, one-of Goku that will just offering and burn me. Like, just all that stuff wasn't really a winnable game. Game three, I managed to slam a uh, Vegeta Unison of Fury against him. Uh, probably a little bit early, because I wasn't able to awaken, because I decided out all my self-awakeness, but eventually I just managed to keep ticking that up, ticking that up, ticking that up. He'd left up one energy, but I tapped it down with the ultimate and just swung in and killed him with my uh, secret rare for like 100k combo power there. Uh, next round, I was against a Android 18 mil player by the name of Matthew uh, Townsend. Game one was a real grindy back and forth. I think it took something like 45 minutes. Eventually, he was able to clench it out by getting his uh, Freezer 100% Overdrive backed up with his baby unison and the uh baby ape counter counterplay and i just didn't have enough answers for that he'd given me something like i think 32 to 34 tokens something like that my deck was just wiped by the uh, 100% overdrive at that point game two he went for the same play but thankfully he only had the trunks as backup because i was able to disrupt his unison and I was able to tap down his 100% uh, overdrive with my Goku Crushable and then steal it with my Mekikabura Unison and turn it against him and just sort of wailed on him with that for a few turns before eventually dropping my Dragon Fist and taking the game that way. And game three, we went to time. Uh, he took a little bit of life against me, which arguably he shouldn't have, but I also drew uh, three robotic reposts in the, uh, the three turns of overtime, so it would have been very hard for him to pierce through that regardless game four was i believe my uh cell surge matchup this was against uh tom uh, i believe it's petit i don't know if i mispronounced it and if i am i apologize 
game one, I just got off to an incredibly explosive start, knocked him down to three life about turn two, turn three, which I just don't think he was expecting. Forced his early awaken, then we got into a bit of a holding pattern where I was able to defend against his unison and his cell. Eventually on my awaken turn, I drew something like, went from zero card hand to an eight card hand, so very much was able to overwhelm his hand control there. And then I think finished him off with a uh, five drop freezer, the divine transformation. And then game two was very much the same, except this time I had access to my apes and my Deburas, so it was even easier to keep a, keep a healthy hand size there. Uh, I forgot if I mentioned it at the start, but I did start with a round one buy, same as uh, Benny, so I'm only doing five rounds. Uh, round five was against Tyson uh, on Piccolo, uh, King Piccolo, lost him in the same way as Benny. That He played the deck very well, but it's also just a horrendous matchup when their unison just takes out most of your main cards, like your Floodgates, like your Gokus. Also, him having access to Yamcha early against a deck that wants to like stick one-drops on board is very problematic. And then, finally, moving into my last Swiss round for the day, I was against Mark Andrews. Uh, good bloke, he was on Soul Striker Invoker, as Benny mentioned, and it was just very hard for him to stick everything. I've got three of this Goku counterplay, I've got Cold Bloodlust, uh, Death... Is it Death Blast or Death Razor, the one that's also a Cold Bloodlust effect? And then my uh, Secret Rare... So it's just very hard for him to stick the uh, three-drop Goku, and I was able to just take it out. Yeah, Death Blaster. And that's how I was able to win that matchup. And I also managed to get uh, two or three copies of Freezer Divine Transformation on the board against him, which meant that if he activated a counterplay, I got to tap down and lock four to six of his cards. And at that point, it's just impossible to come back from. Uh, moving into uh, the top eight rounds... Despite losing, I lost 1-2. Uh, uh, I actually am very happy with how I played. Game 1, I did draw quite a strong hand, but I was able to leverage that and actually get quite a difficult win, in my opinion. Uh, it's on the stream if you want to check that out. But I think the key play was honestly turn 1. He played. Uh, he was on the play because, of course, he was a higher seed than I was. He played piano and passed, and I was able to go leader swing, power of a Super Saiyan, tap down the piano, play uh, Togoma, swing at the piano, so 4k to 4k. He comboed out of that, but then I uh, sacrificed the Togoma, played down a Ginyu, swung into the piano, and that managed to take it out, and that really stymied his card advantage engine for the rest of the game. That and he stumbled on getting the Unison turn two. Those were the real two big things there. Game two, he just sort of smoked me in the, the fashion that King Piccolo will do if you are unprepared or a yellow deck. And game three, I went for a play where... I had to take the risk on him having Yamcha or not. I had a one drop on board. I was going to play my Trunks Unison, sacrifice the one drop, untap, and try to defend like that. Unfortunately, he had the uh, the Yamcha, and I didn't have a Dispo on my drop, so I wasn't able to establish another one drop. But uh, that was my day there. As I say, some of the favorite plays were taking out that piano with the uh, power of the Super Saiyan and uh, the taking the 100% overdrive and just sort of uh, beating my opponent to death with his own card, which is always interesting, but yeah, overall, very happy with how I played, especially since I wasn't that uh, confident going in, I guess. No, no, yeah, well I'll well say well real quick with Wolves, though, yeah. like, th that first thing you played on stream was actually, like, insane. You played that so well, so yeah. I just want to give you props to that. Thank you, like, you. played that so clean. Thank one you. card probably... left in deck when yeah. you won as well. Yeah, one card left in deck. When... Honestly, that's probably my favourite game of DBS I have ever played, and I plan to watch that back to see if I can learn anything from what I did there and what I maybe didn't do as well in the next two games. 
Yeah, fair. But uh, you did that. I was just so good. Like, yeah, that was really clean. The, that was like, it was a good day two of DBS, and it was like a, just yeah. a fantastic start. You played like insanely well that first game. It was good to watch. Yeah, it was very well commentated as well. Like you, you had my <laughs> logic pretty much all the way through there. The only, the only thing was that was not a matchup I'd prepared for. I was just sort of winging it the entire time. But uh, aside from that, you had everything guessed pretty much one hundred percent correctly. Yeah, Kevin is pretty good at commentating. Honestly, he made my life easier. You know, yeah, just... it's good. <laughs> yeah, he was great. So, uh, Jordan, tell us about your uh, your day one. Obviously, didn't get the uh, the top like these guys, but still, still went right. okay. I already see Vinny smiling off there, so you know <laughs> you already know he's feeling good. Yeah, this is got his phone, but yeah. Uh, also, real quick, the reason why I don't have any webcam um, is because the internet in my house is out just due to um, some storms here um, in Melbourne. So uh, I've got no internet, which kind of sucks. So I'm just off my phone, um, but. As for how my day one went, obviously it is fairly disappointing that I didn't make it to day two. I usually, for these like big events, especially ones that I put a lot of effort into, I do set the standard for myself fairly high. So not meeting my own expectations does really suck. Um, but at the end of the day, it kind of is what it is. I ended up finishing, I don't know the exact place I finished. I think it was like 19th or 29th, I can't remember, but it was definitely top 32, which is still good. I still get some extra prizing. But um, how my day went, it started off. The deck I decided to play was Android 16. Um, as I said, was the last one. You finished in 29th place. There we go. I got 29th. It is what it is. We're still top 32. We take those. <laughs> but um, yeah, so the deck I ended up landing on was Android 16. It's a deck in the past I've historically played, and I've told um, I've talked to a lot of players multiple times saying it's actually a really powerful deck. It's just fairly – it's very underrated. Um, and the reason why it's under um, – it's underrated just because you can just play Soul Striker, but um, with the nerfs to Blue Yellow, um, the power of Blue Green just skyrocketed a fair bit. And plus, the um, with um, Jared in America showcasing how good the deck can be, it just gave me more confidence willing to play the deck. And it was um, in testing. Like, testing was amazing this week. I won both locals I went to. I was able to consistently beat pretty much everyone I versed, except for Benny, where I went 50-50 with my games. And considering that Benny usually smokes me most of the time we play in practice, I was like, fuck, we're looking good, boys. It's time, you know? So we're feeling pretty pretty confident off to practice. Um, as for how the actual day went, round one, I had a, um, a buy, just like Benny and Will. Um, round two... I versed the Soul Striker Invoker player, which um, Benny and Will also versed. Unfortunately, had a different result. The um, Android 16 inherently can't really do much to answer the um, the burn combo, which he was running. If it was the um, new combo of going for the triple attack infinite swings guy, I would have been fine because of the margin boo unison can just bottom deck it, plus my card's going to rival clear it. But I don't really have a good way to deal with burn damage in this deck. So um, both games ended up ending in the same way where he was on one life and I couldn't push through for the final damage and he just used Catastrophic Blur, hatch-yacked me um, the following turn and then Catastrophic Blur again. So felt kind of rough, but um, it wasn't too bad. He was in that matchup. Um, next game I had was against, funnily enough, an Android 16 mirror match, but it was a, it was just a deck diff. Like I had um, the new, more updated list with um, new cards and he wasn't fairly sure how some of the interactions worked in the deck, so I fairly was able to win that matchup. Um, and then the other round that I lost on the day that cost me my top cut um, was against Ryan um, playing Gohan Icarus. He played it extremely well. I was able to easily win game one because I think game one um, pre-sideboard, 16 has a like monumental um, advantage in that matchup. But post-sideboard, he was using the Andrew Duvall sideboard, which was running like infinite ha anti-hand destruction cards, which is kind of annoying. 
Um, but going into game three, I was um first that game. I unfortunately didn't see my ramp, which means I was kind of delayed a turn, even though I was going first. And um, we're getting to the point where we're at the end of the game, and um, I run three bad omens in my deck to do additional burn damage. And when I was searching my deck to play the third one, I saw it was in my life, so I was forced to play the um, other one, um, the other Android 21, which just kills the battle card and ramps me. But um, in hindsight, on the final turn, he was actually on one life, and we tapped out for my Margin Boo Unison. And when I tapped out, I realized, wait a minute, if I just took the damage and and like risked getting um, the cards in my hand, which I could have forced, I had three life left to his one, so I could have gotten the 21 to my life and arrived in his turn. If I did that, I would have won that game. But that, you know what they say, hindsight's your best friend, so it is what it is. And then as for the, um, the rest of the day, it was kind of free. Like, every game I won was literally just kind of free. Um, I versed Gogeta Zeno and Cell Surge. Um, Cell Surge is actually so free. They, like, get you down to zero cards in hand, but you're still, like, comboing, rivaling, and stuff. They're just like, wait a minute, how is this happening? They don't understand because I've got no cards in hand, you know? <laughs> but, um, and then Gogeta Zeno, um, the, I think it was Zach from Sydney, I first from the Mechian Witness Watch, I think it's called. Um, the Mechian Witness Protection. Played- yeah, that would be a witness protection. He, he, um, it was fun versing him. He was playing a different take of the deck, um, compared to how Benny was. He was using the Black Smoke Dragon to continuously draw cards and shuffle cards from his deck, but I was able to win that tour because I don't think he was too familiar with my deck. So, um, yeah, unfortunately, again, it wasn't the result I was after. I did want to top top finish. Um, it's a make Mike kind of because I haven't really been playing competitively as much. I mean, as, um, just you were saying before, I was commentating, um, the second day. Um, I do kind of want to make a statement like, hey, I'm actually still relevant, guys, you know, but um, unfortunately, <laughs> I wasn't able to meet those expectations, which does suck. But um, at the end of the day, it just is what it is. I'm going to look to try and get back into like my peak form um, going into the next year, hopefully when we're in more real-life events. But um, that being said, my Nats, my Nats run wasn't over yet. Literally before the day even ended, Trey Tatum's message me before the like round six had even ended and he's like so john you scrubbed out so you can commentate tomorrow right without hesitation doesn't care about how i feel feeling pretty shitty off not making top cuts like yeah john that booth dude it's like okay i'm commentating tomorrow <laughs> i was actually really worth it actually because the, the games on the second day were just amazing i don't think there was a single bad game on the um second day and a lot of people said i commentated really well which is really um Good to hear as well, boost the morale, you know, retire as player, become compensator. So we're looking good for that angle. So um <laughs> yeah, I can't complain about day two nats. Yeah, well, a lot of you know, a lot of these things are all about momentum, like um, you know, Benny and Will, you know, it's not really a coincidence that they're like these results are backed up by, you know, like uh recent regional tops and you know, the Melbourne regional, like they both did really well. So it's, you know, getting, you know, even just like being used to playing a webcam all year, like, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot of momentum involved. So I'm sure once you um, get back in the swing of things, uh, yeah, you'll come good. So Glenn, you didn't have the, like, in your own words, you didn't have the greatest, greatest day, but you know, like you haven't been playing much DBS lately and uh, you don't really have anything to prove either. Like, but so is there anything you want to share about your day? Anything you like, maybe you would have, would you have still gone with um, with your deck choice if you had your time again, or what? What, what do you got to say? Um, yeah, I don't think the deck that I played was particularly an issue. I played Cell Surge. Um, I just I got terribly unlucky matchups in Swiss in the grand scheme of things. Um, I, round one, I played against Kai Hanley, I think, from Adelaide, or he's in South Australia, and he was playing mono black. 
kid coup from set six but like kind of aggro so i had the thwarting package and stuff um and i won that game 2-0 but it was kind of funny unfortunately for him he uh he used his goku vegeta jr the saiyan scions or whatever they're called to bring out some one drops and i had two um dark power black my saiyan on the board so i had to warp eight cards and it was like yeah no i'll just scoop that one so went into game two and i just did the standard cell search kind of stuff and one on turn four i think but uh Round two, I played against Jimmy James from Western Australia, from PX3, and he was playing Red Jiren, um, which isn't necessarily a awful matchup for Cell, um, but it's not a great one either, and I kind of just got blown out. He just drew everything he needed, and I didn't really find any of the answers, so I lost that one 2-0. Then in round three, I played against uh, AOD deck, which is another fairly aggressive kind of in-your-face deck. Not ideal for Cell Surge. I won that 2-0. Uh, and then round four, I played against Gogeta Zeno, which is another pretty awful matchup for Cell Surge, typically. Lost the dice roll, too, you know. Um, and that was against Umit, uh, who is a friend of mine, and he was top cut at the 2019 Nationals. He's quite a good player. I got absolutely clapped round one, uh, game one, sorry. He killed me turn two. Um, he got a thwarting out on turn one and then just destroyed me turn two and then played a pan SCR for free and killed me with it uh, pretty much. So that was pretty awesome. I charged one energy, lost the game. Game two against Uma, I played probably the best game of Dragon Ball I've played in my entire life. Um, I had nothing left, nothing left in the tank at all. Um, I had a Dark Power Black Marseille in my hand and Uma was at like, I think two life at that point. And I was at two life, and I, um, I played the the black Marseille and swung with it. Took the life and pulled the nine drop Zeno cell. Um, Umit took the damage because he's like, well, he's got nothing left. And then I wiped my board and free played the Zeno cell and killed him with it. And he was like, what happened? What just happened? Uh, which is pretty funny. And then we were in game three. I unfortunately couldn't awaken on turn three because I could not find a yellow card. Um, I was digging for it. I just could not find a yellow card, which is ironic considering my list was running extra yellow cards compared to like Jordan Markles and stuff. But I couldn't awaken on turn three, uh, which was a massive tempo shift um, because I wasn't able to activate the um, Crusher Ball effect from the Celso's leader going into his turn four. Um, and then we went to time and we went to turns and we ran out of time. Um, and he won, I think, because I had one less life than him, but we quickly played it out afterwards and he would have won anyway. So that was a really good game, 2 1 to him. And then round five, I got Red Broly BR and lost the dice roll <laughs> and uh, just got just gangster clapped by that dude. So. Uh, yeah, after five rounds, I was like, well, I'm 2-3, I'm just going to drop. So it wasn't wasn't great that, you know, there was a very large portion of the field where I would have had a, a better matchup or at least more 50-50. Um, and I'm pretty confident that in a, in a lot of cases with the sort of more even matchups, the 50-50 matchups, um, I would have probably been a much better chance of having a better result at the tournament. But to be fair, I've pretty much avoided all webcam competitions for the last 18 months i hate playing on webcam um it's just not the same i don't get in the groove i don't like concentrate and it means things happen like that that misplay in round one for kai when you, you would never ever ever play new vanillas off your unison down tick when your opponent's got two 
BMSs on the field. But on webcam, you're just not paying attention. You don't see that it's there and, and it happens. So those sorts of things creep into the game a little bit and I don't really like it. So the result, I think, um, is a result of my lack of practice leading into the event um, and some and some bad luck. So I'll just continue being salty about my about my Swiss matchups. <laughs> you and me both, Glenn. You and me both. And we'll be salty together. Yeah. That's all right. So, um, yeah, so King Piccolo, surprisingly, uh, sort of from, you know, from my account, it's like, was really just like smashing everyone, you know, like you guys had a lot of, Benny and Willie had a lot of matches against him and um, he smashed you. Like, is there, uh, is there a reason, like, I'm surprised, is there a reason that we, with it, it sounds like, is it, does it have, is that, no, whoops, I'll start again. Um, so it has a really bad matchup into higher dragon and yellow to the, by the sound of it. So like, why is there, is it just luck that it didn't do better at the American Nats or I know it got one top, no, but he's uh, like, yeah, go, go. Yeah. I was going to say, so the reason why it actually kind of came back in this event is because higher dragon won nationals in America. And, um, because in the format before leading them to America, it was like, oh, any deck can win it, but which one's the best, right? Because, like, Blue Yellow got hit. Is Mono Yellow High Dragon good enough? Isn't Soul Strike or Blue Yellow just the best deck, right? All these things. And then, because High Dragon won, right, it means, okay, a lot of Australian players or players around the world looking at their national will be like, okay, this is the way to go. We're going to play this Mono Yellow strategy. And historically, um, Red has actually had an amazing matchup into Yellow, specifically because the Piccolo Junior Unison inherently counters, like, everything Yellow wants to do. Um, Yellow plays a lot of cards with skills. It enables Yamcha that um, lets you counterplay cards that aren't being played, like cards already in played or whatever. And on top of that as well, the way that Yellow plays their battle cards is through counter skills, and Piccolo has an order that's not once per turn that just carries a, um, a battle card 15k or less um, when your opponent activates a counter skill. So it's impossible to, stab, uh, to establish a board as a Yellow player while that Unison's on play. And um, because King Piccolo is still actually a really good deck, um, like even besides the nerfs, it still is like under the radar good. It just so happened that um in this particular meta, it was able just to beat a lot of the field, which was again Gohan Icarus, which had a very favorable matchup in purely because of that unison, in um my opinion. I think that unison carries that matchup so hard. Just because yeah, that absolutely. auto is insane. Yeah, so it was a good call by Tyson, you're saying like sort of almost predicting that a lot of people are gonna jump on the higher dragon train and then um yeah, just sort of like you just sweep through them, uh, Benny. What you got any uh, insight onto that? Like, is there in reflection? Is there like, is there anything you could have done to beat the King Piccolo, or is it basically just an auto loss? Uh, based on my deck, it was actually much harder. Like, if you were playing um, the PPG build, so playing this like oh PPG or uh, like Max's build, right? Like, pretty much if you looked at John Carlo's list or like Trey Faircloth, they all played the Scion. Like, that would honestly help you a lot as well. So like. I think something I learned from this matchup was like if you're actually playing Icarus, you actually want to go second, so you can swing harder into them. But unfortunately, with my deck, I don't have as much early aggressive pressure because um, originally in my list, so before all the nationals list came out, right, I actually did think of running like Scion in my main. I was at last draw in my main, but unfortunately, actually my goal for the day was actually to beat the mirror match. So hence, I did win two of my mirror matches, which I played. So like was happy with that. So, like, I, I opted to main Koitsukai instead of the last draw. So, if I had the last draw in main board, that actually helped a lot. Because when I started that in and I actually saw it, it actually made a difference. According to Tyson, uh, he only outcomboed me by 5k when I dumped for the game 2 there. Because he had two more Omens of Awakenings in hand. 
then yeah, if there, if only I had like cards like you know maybe I, fighting against fate instead of secret identity, but like secret identity was still my pick for the day because I think that's a good meta call. So like, being able to having like ag aggressive pressure, like fighting against fate, scion, and also the last draw, but that will change my build completely though. So that's all in hindsight. Like what John yeah, said, Hind yeah. hindsight is people's best friend. If you can go early aggro against them. Pull them before they can awaken. Like I think you, you do have a good shot because they do only have six life. Technically seven if you put them down to like, two and they can awaken. So yeah. Um, yeah. So you, Benny, you were tossing up to play uh, Gogeta Zeno, and uh, we saw David took out the event with Gogeta Zeno. Um, I, one thing I was surprised by when I was uh, watching the final was he in the third game he got a you know a really bad mill. And uh, still, you know, st as we like, as we all saw, still managed to to pull that pull it back and win. I know he got really lucky off uh, getting the thwarting off life, but like, would you like? Is the is the RNG as big of an issue? Is like, is it more? Is it sort of just like? Is it? Is, do you get scared of it more than you think? Like, is it just something you should be as fearful of as bad RNG, or do you just should you just like be more confident? It's like, oh well, whatever happens, I might be able to come back like David did in that final. Uh, honestly, in testing, so like, which we, we did a lot of testing on Friday, yeah. So like, a lot of the games, like, I went one one with John. I went like pretty much one one with Will as well. Like, I remember just like mealing really bad, but still being able to outplay some of the situations. But you don't always, you're not always able to do that. But David's list is a fifty one card list, so his list is actually the most closest to um, Dylan Warren's from uh, FOE. Which was the 51 card list, but instead of opting to play the Smoke Dragon, they opted to play Pycon instead. I wish I also agreed with as well. I didn't. I didn't like the Smoke Dragon instead in the deck. I think Pycon offered a lot more um, aggressive pressure because you're able to bump your two of your little boys by 5k, and with your leader bumping two more of them, so that that's a 25k swing. So yeah, the Honestly, pump is is way better. Correct. If you've played the deck, like I, I, I do, I have tested out Mirror. Mirror is still okay, but unfortunately, I think Pycon is still the unison to go to. The deck is really, like, once you hit, like, 51 or 50 cards, your mills actually really concentrated. But I, the fact that uh, I did the practice mills and I just didn't want... I really didn't want to have my day down to, like, losing the day down to consistency. Like, I think I might have slightly regretted it because I know Higher Dragon, like... I know I can draw enough to be able to see my outs, so was what I ultimately end up banking on so you can definitely play your way out of a situation like against Will I remember I didn't see like a union fusion till literally turn three but all I saw was true fighting spirit in my hand <laughs> I just ended up playing all of them on the board yeah, three of them yeah, I think one of them. correct yeah, I mean, no Goku's. Oh. yeah I think the thing about Gogeta Zeno that separates it from I guess the Jax is what a lot of people compare it to is that um, it feels like Vegex, when you're milling, you actually have to hit your mills, and it doesn't, mm. if you're not milling correctly on Vegex, it hurts really bad. But I think the big thing is that when you're milling in Gogeta Zeno, the stuff that you're missing out on is your Union Fusion specifically, like, because the whole thing is that, oh, you're meant to get the cards in the warp to fuse, right? But um, the fact that you're able to still fuse from, like, half from warp, half from hand doesn't make it as bad. And on top of that as well, the fact that the leader inherently powers up one drop battle cards. Um, same as the units and it gives you like more lines of play if that makes sense like so even if you mill really bad like um 
like David did in the final game. Like he literally had, I think, hopefully the worst five cards he could possibly mill. Like none of them actually had value in the wall. And it was and it was like also his one up chomper. Um, he was still able to win that game through just from like the deck inherently being able to still generate a lot of value um, just from how it interacts normally with like other cards and um it just shows that um like even in testing as well i had a game where i actually played gojita zenith for the first time and i was able to win three games in a row and one of those games i milled four of my super combos and i was still able to win so like it sh still shows like you the deck is very powerful but um i think the rng aspect lies in like how high the ceiling is versus like how close like i guess midway like not even high, high ceiling, the ceiling low floor sort of thing yeah kind of like that yeah like i think the deck can still go off even if you don't build correctly mm. um but obviously just getting the right mills helps and plus like once you get your pieces into the warp anyway just through normal means it doesn't really matter what your mills are yeah. like once you get all the pieces in the warp, you just stop milling anyway it doesn't it doesn't actually matter so I think yeah. I think the deck has a good backup plan if the mills don't go correctly, which I think David showed really well in the finals. And I think that's the key point there, in my opinion. Like, the Gogeta Zeno deck, it would be one thing if it was playing a bunch of bad cards to enable its strategy, but it's really not. Like, uh, Thwarting's all good cards. Like, we've seen them splash into other decks. Uh, the, the Goku and the Vegeta one-drops. If you're playing a Black Sand Leader, you're playing that anyway. The, like, the Unison, yeah, sure, that's a little bit meh, like, the, the Pycon and the Kai, or the Smoke Dragon and the Kai, and stuff like that, but that's still a good value package, and as you say, the way the deck is built, you are just going to naturally get these cards into your warp anyway on a long enough timeline, and if you've got a deck that can't really press you back, and we are in a sort of slower format where, uh, the thing is, on average, uh, Gogeta Zeno, its fast hands are going to be faster than what you're fighting, and its slow hands are, one, going to have a disruptive element, likely, with the, the Goku and the Vegetas. Or two, they're just going to be as slow as your opponents. And if your top speed is still, like, pegged pretty closely to where the rest of the meta is, and sometimes you can just spike way above that, that's generally a pretty good place to be, in my opinion. I think um, part of the reason that people like Benny would look at it and go, I don't necessarily want to play that, is you don't want to get to the end of a day at a big important tournament like Nats and feel like the reason you lost is because you had bad luck with your mills because it's not something you can control like as a as a competitive player you want to put yourself in the position to be able to um, do everything you can to win the game with the resources you have available to you and so if you play a deck like Icarus which is as Benny said it has enough draw power that nine games out of ten you're going to see most of the cards in your deck right that deck runs predominantly like threes and four ofs um so for most situations you're going to see the cards that you want to at least give yourself the option to make the right decision at the right time um whereas with a deck like gogeta Zeno, you can sometimes be at the end of a game and feel like well if i just milled this card or that card on this turn i would have won the game but i didn't so i didn't win the game and then you just get really frustrated i think what david showed however was his approach to playing the deck was um a little bit more reserved which is interesting because a lot of the people that play gogeta zeno typically just play all gas like they're just foot on the pedal and they're just going for it um whereas he almost played it in like a more mid-rangey kind of way like he wasn't really trying to pressure for that turn two like if it was there he would obviously pressure because that's great but those sort of turn threes and turn fours where he extended his plays because the deck has incredible flexibility in being able to generate pressure for very low energy costs especially with the use of like the the pycon um 
unison and the one drops and being able to sort of get inherent value from that because you get the one drops on the field you can pump them and get swings to get cards out of hand but then they've also got the text like if they counter they warp one and things like that so you're sort of generating two different forms of value from the one drops without actually needing to spend any more of your own resources which is really strong um but yeah my my point would be like when benny switched to icarus it showed his final decision to counter counter and then dump hand like i never ever ever would have done the counter counter on that nimbus and then benny the madman just drops the cooler counter gets in there and double strikes and like that by playing icarus he put himself in the position to be able to make that decision and then by doing so won the game in zeno uh, in gojita zeno perhaps he wouldn't have had that opportunity to even make that call so yeah. yeah, yeah, but no, like, don't, yeah, don't get me wrong. You definitely, you definitely made the right choice, Benny. Like, you've always got to pick um, consistency over, you know, other aspects. And like, you know, I think, you know, you, you still got third place. And you, if you play Gadina Zeno, you could have uh, could have got a lot lower. But let's um, it's, yeah, let's actually elaborate on Go that pl- on that uh, on that play a little bit. Um, so <laughs> no, not for, no, don't say that. Uh, uh, so yeah, talk us through like John. You talk us through that moment, uh, that high pass moment when uh, Benny was able to steal the win from Max. Oh, actually, I can go through a bit about it if oh, you yeah, want yeah, as well because yeah. I think oh, I well, have you, the hand. You so my it, yeah. thoughts there. <laughs> uh, actually, Trent actually. So fun fact. Uh, I'm pretty transparent about everything. So Trent actually came in because uh, he was like, "Oh, Benny, you need to make a move right now." Because whether because I told Max I have the cooler in hand, but whether I cooler for that or the pan is actually very very important at that moment so going through my head when i call the nimbus i was like man i either save the cooler for the nimbus or the pan ultimately i chose to do on the nimbus hopefully he doesn't have a pan so yeah i used it on the nimbus and i swung and then i did shenanigans and then pretty much when i swung again with um trunks he had the pan right so obviously i can't call her again then I chose to dump my double strike at that time because uh, he could have if if he panned me. So I can only swing with battle cards once more, right? Mm-hmm. So I can't swing with battle cards. So I can only swing with my. I only have one leader swing left, and the trunks unison that was currently swinging. So he was on two life. He, if he had another freezes army reinforcement in hand, if I don't dump there, he would have been able to uh, pretty much you know like protect the one damage from my trunks. Or either just combo out of the trunks and then, you know, block my... I uh, use Freeze's army reinforcement to negate my leader swing. And then that's all the swings I had for the turn, right? So, so in hindsight, even Max was like, oh, you know, I had so much more cards than you in hand, but you still chose to dump there, though. Because I was like... Because if I didn't dump there, what I had was a leader swing, and that would have probably been negated by a Freeze's army reinforcement as well. But I did have a backup plan. If I shot... My shotgun doesn't work. I can nuke his board with the minus three on my trunks unison. And I the last card in my hand was actually a pan as well. And I was on three life, so if he swings with uh so what he would have done when I pass back turn to him, his board should have been cleared. And then he would have gone swing with uh, play a dragon, draw a card, swing with leader, you know, try to activate battle to combo the dragon, but I would have pan counted. If he comboed out, I would assume he would have had to dump the cooler counter counter from his hand as well because i won by 5k so he must have lost his hand by then anyways i would have nuked his board so yeah i should be safe in a pan unless he has a trunks unison in hand but then it's hard to say what i would draw from my life as well so i had a lot going through my mind at that time but ultimately yeah 
I was able to win, so I'm glad that that double strike actually went through. Like, that's the best part about playing Dragon Ball and, like, other card games. Like, you know, you just ask your opponent, you're like, oh, do I have enough there, you know? And also, because I'm an Icarus player, I love playing open-handed, which is one thing a lot of players don't do. I actually can gauge how much dead cards they have in hand as well. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I had a lot going through my mind during that. So, yeah. so you even had a just backup the... plan. Oh, sorry, oh. okay. No, I just, want to, I just want to elaborate a bit more on like that situation with Benny, how he did end up cooling and whatever in the final turn. So, um, like, since I was commentating that game, I have to obviously pay more attention to it. And one of the big vocal points we made is like, whoever leads in the Icarus Mat and Mirror match kind of like dictates the pace of the game. So let's just say now, if you're going first, right, your opponent has to answer whatever you're doing. Whereas, all right, you, you play Tolls on turn three, your opponent has to play Tolls. You do something on turn and play your Trunks Unison the following turn. They have to play Trunks Unison. So the game's kind of set at, um, set at the first place pace. But there was a turn in the game where Benny didn't do anything with his three energy. So it's like the tempo was swapped, if that made sense. So it was like instead of Benny leading... It was actually um, Max leading that game. That's where, like, you could start to see the momentum shifting. And in the situation where Benny had this, sometimes in, like, this is just in every card game in general, you know, like, kind of foresee what will happen in the next two turns, if that makes sense. So let's just say now, hypothetically, Benny doesn't um, cool out the Nimbus um, in that situation. He's already in a losing position anyway, so the longer the game goes, the, the actually the worse it is for Benny, right? So I think like in that in that specific situation, it was actually a really good play to call it because it also Max was tapped out and on three life, and with how Max was playing it, he probably didn't worry too much about that particular call. He's like, okay, Benny just spent all his energy right to extend that play, but. Um, in saying that, a lot of players as well don't have the confidence to be willing to make those risks. Because at the end of the day, let's just say now, I, I remember hopping into the Discord call after Benny did that. And Max actually said, John, what wasn't that a stupid play from Benny? And it's like, it actually wasn't. Because <laughs> it's the things that's like, let's just say now, Benny does make the quote-unquote smart play. Not the smart play, let's say the safe play, right? He probably just loses it the next two or three times, right? But because he went for the opportunity that it was there in that particular moment, he risked the whole game in that one moment to push for the victory. He was able to steal the win. Like, Benny realistically, no offense, Benny, but you were probably going to lose that game. And you saw the one opening that you needed to win. And then you capitalized. And not a lot of players can do that, which is like props to you there. So a good and bad thing. You kind of threw that game by not doing anything for three. But then you pulled it back oh. by making a really good like, so, play. In fact, I know, like, I, I rewatched the stream as well. Like, there's multiple times where, like, oh, you know, like, Kevin and John were saying, oh, you know, why did Benny Koitsukai here? Like, honestly, that turn, I did not have the trunks unison. Like, in, I left energy open. Yeah. I was thinking, man, if I don't draw into something here, I'm probably dead, right? So, but obviously, uh, John and Kevin couldn't see my hand. But Koitsukai's yeah, Koitsukai an amazing card. Just, like, Shot all the time I use Koitsukai. A legit just bottom deck two, so hopefully I can dig two cards deep into my deck, looking for the answer I need to see to be able to swing things back in my favor. So I know, I know it does look stupid, you know. Oh, you know this guy just passed with all his energy up. Oh, he's not good, you know. Like, but <laughs> in hindsight, you don't know my hand. You know, I may have a big hand, yeah. but I don't have the yeah, answer. The only, like, yeah. the only reason I was saying it was bad is back to my point I just made before. The fact that we're going first, it was I'm just like it felt like it was just wasting the fact you couldn't go first. Obviously, I can't tell no. It is in that situation, it's bad to do nothing while you're going first. Oh, 100%. But, in the mirror yeah. match, like any turn that you waste energy and you're not using your energy efficiently, 
But you're not bad, sorry. I mean, say you're a bad player because you didn't use the energy. You might not have seen your cards, though, though which is yeah, the... It's not, yeah, it's not that you're bad. It's like the situation that he's in is, like, suboptimal. And the thing is, like, going back to, like, when you call the Nimbus, so the cooler on the Nimbus is actually infinite more value than coolering the uh, pan anyway because pan doesn't actually stop the attack, right? Correct. Like, Correct, you... exactly. That's yeah. another thing as well. Like, that's why, like, yeah. when Trent came in and called, this is very, very important for me. I literally said that to him because we had Trent uh, also, uh, two judges in the room as well. I was like... I really need to have to think about this. Max also respected it because, you know, obviously Max wants me to tap the three for cooler anyways because I use up all my energy for it. So. And he knows he's got pan yeah. in his hand. Exactly. That's the thing though. Like it, it makes sense because you, similar to how Will ended up like basically losing to Tyson because he had to gamble that Tyson wouldn't have the, the Yamcha, you were kind of gambling that that Max didn't have his, have his SCR. The only thing I'm hearing from this conversation, however, is that Bandai should ban uh, Furthering Destruction Chamfer. Kind of, yeah. That was one of my bans there on the list because everyone plays with one less life. Yeah. This is also a legit why Android 16 is so good because, like, whenever John plays Android 16, like, I mentioned this multiple times, most decks go down to four life themselves. You only need to deal three damage, one omen. That's all you need. And then, yeah, pretty much like they will play with one less life. And furthering destruction champa means that you're essentially playing with, you know, one less life as well. So I legitimately just go to one life in pretty much every game now. Because I'm like, if I'm staying at two, I'm just going to get FDC'd anyway. There's no yeah. point. Like, it's yeah. one less card I'm going to see. Someone swings like a 10k at me. I'm like, just just combo five on that so I can take this life. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I think Glenn raises a very interesting point there. Not not as much with Chamba, but more with the con contrast between mine and Benny's games where... It, I mean, we say it to each other all the time, and it's especially one of the first things you tell, not so much a new player, but a player who's looking to go from like, all right, I'm just competing at locals to maybe I want to top a locals, or maybe I want to do well at the store champs, and that is play to your outs. Always play to your outs. And this is and this is the thing. Benny did what a lot of players, even his opponents, described as a stupid risky move. Um, but that's only if you don't have the information there. As I say, Benny had looked at it and he'd been like, well... Let's put it like this. I've got a percentage chance to win if I if I shotgun here. Maybe it's 5%. Who knows? Let's just say it's 5%. But I'm on pretty close to a 0% if I let it get to Max's next turn. So, what's my win condition? Stopping Max from getting to his next turn? What way do I achieve that? Well, I guess if I get very lucky and I cooler this thing and he's got exactly so many extra cards in hand, then I win this. And that's exactly what he had. And as I say, he had that backup plan there as well. But I think that was the important thing of just... He identified that. And it was the same with me as well. And look, I haven't gone back and seen the commentary on that third game or the, the Twitch chat. And I don't know what sort of comments were made either by John and Kevin or the Twitch chat itself. But I was sort of on the other side of that exchange. And yeah, it can look a bit silly when it doesn't work. And a lot of the time it won't. Because again, you're playing a risk. But... Sometimes you will get this amazing sort of success story like you did there with oh, with Benny God. in that game. And yeah, so you just... That's what we really mean. Because like it gets said a lot sort of just as like a platitude, as a throwaway thing. You know, play to your outs, play to your outs, play to your outs. And sometimes that does mean taking the crazy risky play. Because, you know, just winning... Losing slowly and winning and losing quickly are both losing. And it doesn't matter either way unless you're looking... Especially in a game through situation where time's no longer a concern. Yeah, I was going to say, also... Oh, okay, you go, Glenn. Oh, sorry. I was just going to... I don't think there was any flame in the stream when you made your play. Like, you, I think it was just, like... There was comments saying that it was a decent heads-up play by Tyson to counter the Trunks coming oh, yeah, to yeah, play yeah. and killing you one drop. But at the same time, you know, like... 
on that turn, you look at the situation, you're like, I literally have to do this, otherwise I, I have nothing else I can do. And similarly yeah. to what you said, sometimes when you're playing and you look at the situation, you go, I die next turn. Like, you look at your hand, you look at their board, you're like, there's no way I can win. So in, in yeah. Benny's situation, you know, he same thing. He probably evaluated, as he said, looked at it and said, well, if Max goes to the next turn, I'm just going to get clapped. So yeah. screw it. Like, let's just shotgun see what happens. Like, Because if you're going to lose anyway, you may as well go out like a blaze of glory. And, and the third point I want to make there as well, just quickly before we let uh, Benny continue, is like we talked briefly that Benny did have the backup plan there. Like he could wipe the I board, did. pan I himself, did. and then see what he could do. But if uh, Max got panned, he still had quite a large hand there. If Even if he was able to combo out, he would have had quite a few options, all of that. Even if Benny did play the pan, pass the turn back, what have you, how likely was Benny to win on that crackback? Honestly, probably not likely, because at that point, either Max has got a bunch of combo power to combo out again, or he's got a handful of negates. He knows Benny's very resource light, so he's just going to be like, yeah, alright, cool, I'll hold up a, a Freezer's army reinforcements or hold up a uh, Vegeta's final flash. Benny's no longer got a threat on board outside of the pan. His leader and maybe whatever he top decks, I can probably handle that. So again, it's like, could have Benny have extended the game a couple of times? Sure, but he still lost. And it was the same thing with me. Would I have lost next turn if I just decided to keep up all my energy and just repost and Goku and what have you? Yeah, I probably could have lived out a turn or two. Was I going to win that game if I let that unison get out of control? No chance. Yeah, I think uh, this is like, sorry to sorry yeah. to call Benny again. You know, he's the man of the hour, but we'll just cut him off. So sorry, yeah, sorry. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I think a lot of things, like, I just want to, like, rewind time a bit. Back when I was, like, actually good at the game, winning a lot of events, one of the things that people always said that was weird about me, I would always just go for really stupid plays. Mm. And when I say, not, not, okay, that's a bad way to say it. Not stupid plays, but very risky plays. Like, because a lot of people don't understand that sometimes if... The longer these certain games goes, the more unwinnable it can be for a certain player, right? Like, so people don't understand that you have to, like, if you can win the game in a certain situation, even if it's, like, not, it's not 100% chance, right? Which I think a lot of people fall into the trap of they have yeah. to go for 100% wins. But if even if it's, like, a 60-40% chance of you winning, or even, like, a coin flip if you win or whatever, sometimes it's worth taking it, because sometimes it lands, ha- lands heads. Like, a really good example is back in um when I won... Melbourne regionals and a while ago, I was I was playing my um, U6 Broly deck against um in top eight against um a red deck, red green deck, which can probably kill my battle cards in the combo step. And I was like, it was getting to the point where it's like I'm running out of cards, and I just swung with one of my battle cards, and my opponent said no negates, it was on two life, and I just said, well, effort, like I'm probably not going to win the rest of this turn, so I comboed everything on my hand, fully well knowing that my opponent could arrival and kill it, and the only one I had was a, a cold bloodlust in my hand, and I was able to win that turn. So, like, sometimes you have to risk the entire... Like, you have to risk the game. You have to you have to be willing to lose the game so you can actually win and get better long-term. It's just, like, you can only get so far by making safe plays. Like, I think you can ask anyone who wins events, like, if the, one of the first bits of that advice they'll give you is, like, you have to go for risky plays. That is the only way you can win in certain high-pressure situations. You have to just be willing to risk it all. You have to go all in, you know? I have a story for that, but I'll let Benny say his point, and then I'll bring it back to my story. I was going to say, also in one of the games against uh, Mark Andrews, Soul Strike Invoker, so like, I, knew, I knew he was playing Invoker, right? So I was like, I literally did a shotgun as well in game one. I wasn't able to kill him, you know, yeah. which was the problem, because, like, it was uh before he got into turn five, right? Sure. 
I did do one thing. I made him combo all his uh, rival seekers and invoker pieces. <laughs> so, and th that ultimately actually ended up winning me the game because he had no rival seekers to go into uh, energy explosion to catastrophic blow me for the win. But ultimately, it, it was a very close game regardless. Anyway, so it was another one of those games where I won by 5k. So, yeah, I was going to say, my shot. So, was my shotgun stupid? Probably, because I didn't kill him, but, you know, he had a chance to crack back at me, but. If he had the energy explosion and rival seeker, I was guaranteed the loss. So I shotgunned out of nowhere and it, it made him, it kind of wrecked his plays a little bit and he had to play suboptimally. And then, you know, at the end of the day, he swung with leader and he also swung with um, uh, overarm trunks, which he chose to do, but he did not draw into any 5k combos. So, like, once again, if you watch my deck profile, I go more in depth about it. But then, yeah, ultimately, it came down to him having, like, He's got three cards in hand. He plays the Overrealm Trunks. Draws two, warp one, but then he did not see any 5k combo. He said, oh, 15k only. I was on one life, one card in hand. Combo the 5k from my hand. Zero cards in hand. One life. He said, no combo. And I'm like, wait, you passed turn? I'm like, back to me. I was able to crack back. I'm like, wow. Amazing. Like, you know, like, I shotgun out of nowhere, but it may have been stupid, but maybe it, it wasn't, you know, like... <laughs> I mean, the other thing in that trunk situation on uh, Mark's side is sometimes people will just scoop there. Don't do that. Like, all right, what was the likelihood that Mark had a, a handful of extra cards? <gasps> Low, but it was clearly above 0%. If you scoop there, you're you're at 0% to win. So, yeah, that's, that's the other thing that I'll see people do sometimes as well. Yeah, Will is literally on the money there. I legit, in my mindset, I was like, he's got... You know, three, four cards in hand. I, I am probably most likely dead, right? But then, didn't scoop. I was like, oh, no, I want to see what he comboed and you know, try to get a bit more information from him. But then, wow, and no scoop club. Yeah. To, uh, wow. to to take it back to John's point about being a psycho with your players in 2019, uh, top cut. I was playing against Jesse Weidman. Jesse Weidman. Yeah. Thank you guys home. Um, and he was playing. What was he playing? Clash Q. Yeah. Red green. Yeah. With uh, the seven drop Goku Defender of the Earth or whatever. Um, and I was playing set six green Broly and I didn't see an eight drop. I think it was game one and I just could not find an eight drop to go up the chain. And I knew I needed to go up the chain to the eight drop for me to win that game. And um, so I'm sitting there, I'm like doing some quick math in my head and I was calculating roughly the chances that I would have an eight drop as the next card on my deck. Uh, and so I said, screw it, and popped my six drop with my Paragus, and that effect causes you to draw a card, and the card I top decked was the eight drop Broly, and then I pitched two, <laughs> chucked it down, and killed him with it. <laughs> and it was literally, like, <laughs> the loosest stuff that I did, and I don't know why, but that weekend, like, pretty much everything I did until I made it to top four was just golden. Like, I, could, I couldn't do anything wrong, and then I bricked against Jason Z, and then, uh... Misplayed for third place, legendarily. Oof. Main thing was you got the third place, you know, because mm. they scooped, you know. So <laughs> yeah, that's why you don't scoop. Sure. Never scoop. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no scoop club. We won't tell that story. That's for another day. But yeah, yeah, I'll tell that to my grandkids. Yeah. <laughs> um, one thing I want to touch on. So, Will, you've played. Yeah. Uh, you know, you've been playing Golden Freezer for a long time, and you know, it's safe to say that that's your, you know, favorite deck. Like. You know, you know, you know it inside now. Yep. Like, would you just for for newer players that might be listening? Like, you've played that deck for for years now. Yep. How many times over the weekend 
where you, does your brain just go into this like mode of just like okay I've come into this situation like you know a million times mm-hmm. I just do this this and this like would you like obviously your top would you say your top uh, advocates like just stick sometimes sticking to a deck for like even you know as matters change and everything else like just sticking to a deck for like you know it could be like a year two years like it just would you say it has really paid off for you yes in both in that sense like there are definitely plays that i saw that weekend that i don't think i would have seen on a newer deck like to just go back to that uh game against uh again in my top eight game like i don't think i would have seen the line of swing leader power of a super saiyan swing untap swing if i was newer to the deck but there's also other things just especially so uh i don't know about the others here but uh i know benny i believe it was three of your five swiss games went to time if my memory serves correctly That's correct. yeah, yeah two or three uh, only one of mine did, and this is a slower deck. I've definitely played so I've played decks like Baby, but just having the muscle memory to not have to think about certain plays. Like, anybody who's seen me play in the deck will know that, like, a very common opening play for me will just be like, alright, cool, charge extra card, play Freezer's Call, and just be like, yep, I'm going to play Freezer's Call, I'm going to get the first one drop I'm going to find, I'm going to draw a card, I'm going to sack it, I'm going to untap, I'm going to draw another card. So before I've even resolved the card... I've already, like, put... I've just put the card directly in the drop. I've not even bothered tapping my energy as long as I know the, the opponent understands what's happening, obviously. Um, and I've just already got that. So just having that knowledge and that mechanical skill there to just, like, know exactly how your plays turn out, especially in a restricted time format like these webcam events, that is another sort of underrated part of just really knowing your deck inside and out. Like, Gogeta Zeno, for instance, like, knowing when you can just dump mill as opposed to like have to sort of laboriously check one two three four five stuff like that um really does does help there and it's also just you also get a feel for just playing it out like if i'm looking for like a one of in my deck or something i'm just like all right well i've gone through a lot of my deck i've not seen it i've been in this situation before how often have i seen that one of oh it usually comes up for me here okay then i've probably got pretty decent odds i don't have to like sit there like say bet uh glenn said he was with the uh the eight drop and just be like well let's see i've, pro- I've got like you know 20 cards in deck i've got four copies left what's that like a a one and four one and five chance so i can just be like yeah i know this more often than not works out for me let's uh let's take it so yeah, yeah it definitely yeah. helps also, with um, sideboarding, understanding what comes in, what comes out. in for So, how I sideboard, and I believe it's how the others sideboard as well, for sort of like the top five or six decks in the format, or ones that are similar, I have a sideboard plan. I know what comes in, I know what comes out. But when I go against something like, say, I was not expecting to play against Dark Broly on the day. I was not expecting to play against Android 18 Mill on the day. So, knowing what's really important in those matchups and knowing what's really important to the deck helps me sideboard quicker and efficiently and keep in the good cards. Yeah, yeah. So, I wasn't really, um, I wasn't really around with competitive scene like back in back in the early days. But would was Golden Freezer just like absolutely just busted when it came out? Like, if it's still so relevant now that it's getting tops, like, was it just insane when it first came out, or has it just been slowly new pieces have come out and it just? It's just uh, almost gotten better as time goes on. Yeah. Like, it was a sort of untapped potential back then. So, a bit of both. Um, originally, when I did well with the deck, sort of in 2019, sort of like the end of the, the paper era, as it were, or the, the in, in-person event, it was actually a red-green... Oh, sorry, a yellow-green hand control list. 
So it played cards uh, like the Chilai the Beautiful, the uh, Chilai Freeze for a Soldier, uh, Speed Partner Limo, or as I affectionately called it, Speedy Speed Boy, uh, Android 13, Agent of Destruction, and was there to like nickel and dime and grind your opponent's hand into dust. Nowadays, uh, some of those cards have been hit. Uh, the format doesn't keep up as well. There are better hand control lists, so it's just a mono yellow sort of mid range controlish deck that's just looking to outgrind and outvalue the opponent by having more cards than them as opposed to making their cards less. So it's a very, very different deck because it's just a fundamentally very powerful and very versatile leader if you can get the cards around it. And the main reason it also is able to switch to mono yellow was just we finally with the new anniversary box and as well as set uh i believe it was set 13 the goma came out we finally just hit a critical mass of oh sorry set 12 we finally hit a critical mass of good one drops for the deck which uh really helped and then Rough. the card that really put it over the line was uh robotic repost as we were saying or as i was saying before with gogeta zeno the main strength of that deck is the fact it gets to play good cards so even when it goes badly it can't go that badly and that's sort of the main strength of uh golden freezer is some of the cards like repost like divine are just really good cards you want to be playing anyway they just happen to be freezer's army cards so you can sacrifice them to your leader and get a little bit more value there you also got a really good finisher too with the goku Oh yeah, Dragon Fist yeah. is the nuts. Oh, yeah, like yellow, I mean, Golden Freeze specifically, yeah. more and more one-drops have been printed, which has made it better and more viable, but I felt like it always kind of lacked a finisher unless you were getting to turn 6 or 7 and Fu Shrouded or whatever you were doing. Um, but yeah, that Goku being able to come in a bit earlier and just being able to dump on it is pretty yeah. strong. And the final thing was just, uh, before now, if you wanted to be running like a yellow untapped deck, you either played uh, Mecha or uh, Icarus. Now with uh, Mecha being banned from the format and Icarus being still arguably a more powerful deck, but definitely a more normalized deck, it gives this deck a little bit of breathing room and gives it a real place. Because um, as Benny said in some of his matchups, he would have really liked to have some more decisive finishes. And uh, Golden Freezer, since it plays so energy efficiently, it really can have those more decisive finishes between the Dragon Fist, between the Divine Presence, oh, sorry, Divine Transformation, etc. Uh, I'll put in something here as well yeah. about, like, Will here, yeah? Like, honestly, like, Will's top here, like, was long time coming. Like, this was not a fluke. Like, I've seen the amount of effort Will has actually put into this deck. It's gone through so many different changes, like, even throughout testing. Will is an insane control player. I'm, I'm so happy that he topped with this deck, because he literally put in so much, so much effort behind the scenes that, like, I don't... I think me and Blake and Lachlan were, like, the only people that, like, really seen Will put in the effort for this like even two months before the even before the ban list right before when bojack and stuff was around like will was already testing this so like he knew he wanted to play this for nationals and get the top with it and he actually did like honestly i'm so happy and proud of him as well like he's put in like the amount of time and effort he put in actually paid off like congrats will that's, that's all <laughs> thank I'm you very much yep. yeah well done will. well done <laughs> No, I don't have to feel awkward about it. It's, uh, it was a, you know, your hard work pays off, and uh, we're glad. You know, I'm sure uh, Benny and Glenn and John welcome you to the uh, Nationals Top Club. I'm yep. salty about it. We need someone to believe. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> 
saying I'm still in the exclusive club of winning in that. So talk to me later, boys. <laughs> oh, speaking of that, I have topped all three nationals, and I can probably say that I'm the most consistent player now because I'm the only player in OC. There's the Chad Benny we want. <laughs> yeah. I'm the only player to have topped all three uh, nationals because uh, John and Anthony weren't able to make this nationally. Yeah, so if you guys want to check out Benny and Will's deck profiles, we'll have those up on our YouTube channel as well. Um, but yeah, so how are we looking for time? I suppose we're, gonna well, we're a bit over an hour here, hour, sorry. Uh, yeah, I think we're going to wrap this one up. Um, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, it was a bit of a different setup today. We had to, um, Will's had to record. So if you, uh, if there's anything, any feedback you want to give us, just let us know. But yeah, so um, all the guys did really well. I'm really proud. It was a great. It, it was a oh wow, well, you know. But you, <laughs> you still did well in spirit, helping helping everyone out. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, and um, you guys will catch John uh, commentating. Oh, is that a secret, John? Or not that Facebook posted it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's right. I, I, I think you guys wasn't the leaker, but I leaked it anyway. So I've, <laughs> I've actually been invited to commentate the World Championship, um, the qualifying rounds, which is pretty exciting. So. Um, people know that I'm doing it now, so it's not really a leak anymore. I've already leaked it by accident, you know, but it's what it is. <laughs> it is exciting, though. Was C -Rod, dude. What was yeah. that, sorry? I said, I hope you commentate with C-Rod. Me too. Yeah, the dream, the dream. Don't <laughs> 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 Yeah, so... Yeah, good, no, luck. good luck to David Lou in, uh, at, at Worlds. We'll be cheering him yep. on, yep. Aussies. And, yeah, um, that about... That does it for this week, I suppose. We'll uh, have to be, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll probably run out of things to talk about in the next few weeks, but we'll um, we'll conjure something up for you guys. Uh, thanks very much. We'll see you soon. See you guys. Peace.